This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, this week we begin a brand new sermon series from the book of James on Cross Hope. I had just returned with my wife from Germany visiting our daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren there. This is a story, a serious story, about our 10-year-old grandson and how one man in the church, a World War II veteran, 94 years old, impacted his life when he visited here this past summer. God bless you as you listen to part one of a message from the book of James. Very serious story I want to tell you has to do with Bill Asbury in our church and my grandson, Charlie. When they were here months ago, we went to Quaker Heights and sang for Bill the song that they sang here in church that Sunday. And Charlie was very impressed with meeting Bill Asbury, a World War II veteran, and it's really made an impression on his life. Elizabeth has told me they'll be driving down the freeway and Charlie will say, we need to pray for Bill Asbury. And here's a you know 10-year-old kid who just visited church here, and we had prayer in the car for Bill Asbury. But out of the blue, with no prompting, no prompting on my part at all, he said, you know, Grandpa, I'm glad that someday I'll be able to tell my grandchildren that I knew a World War II veteran. And I thought, what 10-year-old kid says that? I was delivering papers at 10, just trying to stay alive on the streets without getting beat up, you know, and He's thinking about when my grandchildren, I'll be able to tell them that I knew a World War II veteran, Bill Asbury. So I was really touched by that and really moved because it it, it came without any prompting on my part. Well, I think the year was 1967. A young lady, teenager, I believe at the time, Johnny Erickson Tata, dove into the Chesapeake Bay. Having misjudged the depth of the water, Joni Erickson came out of there radically changed. You see, she broke her neck and was to spend the rest of her life as a quadriplegic, living her entire life in a wheelchair. She's written extensively about her experiences. She's been an inspiration to thousands upon thousands of people. And she's a picture of the text that we read today. In fact, when I read the passage of Scripture with you, I want you to think of Johnny Erickson, Tata, the lady that's in the wheelchair, I think continues to have a radio ministry as well. So think about that today. But we're going to begin a new series today about living the life for real. I've met a man years ago who said this, and he was really disappointed when he said it. He said, Randy, Christianity looks good on paper, but it doesn't play out in real life. That's exactly what he said. Christianity looks good on paper, but Randy, it doesn't really play out in real life. And I knew intuitively, instinctively, he had been hurt by Christian people. And I said, tell me your story. What's behind that? And he opened up his life, and it was about parents who claimed to be Christians but lived anything but the Christian life. 
and he saw the inconsistencies in the lives of his mom and dad, and therefore, I don't want anything to do with it. Christianity looks good on paper. Unfortunately, it didn't play out in the real life of his mom and dad. And with that, we'll continue tomorrow with the complete reading of the text from James 1, where James talks about trials, tribulations, and and difficulties in life. It's called living life in 2020. James 1 is the chapter. We're beginning the first eight verses of James 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, is written to a Jewish audience. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, that it will be given to him. That's one of the most important verses, by the way, in the whole Bible. I want to read it again. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault. You know what that means? He doesn't look for a reason not to give it to you, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable, unstable in all that he does. Oswald Chambers is my favorite devotional author. Some of you read his material, My Utmost for His Highest. It's the best devotional book that I know of, even though it was written years ago. My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers. He wrote this, to choose suffering, to choose suffering makes no sense at all. To choose God's will in the midst of our suffering makes all the sense in the world. And that's what this passage is about. We don't choose suffering as Christians. I want to know, Lord, how you want me to suffer today. I just want to suffer for you. It's not about choosing suffering. It's choosing to find God's will in the midst of suffering. That's what it's about. And that's what we read today. James says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, I know that the trials that people faced back then in biblical times is different. But you know what? In a lot of ways, they're the same. I was thinking of being in the ministry all the years I've been in, first of all, in Columbus, Ohio, for 18 years. And I was thinking one day, what is it that I talk to people about? What are the problems that people come to me about? And here's what I wrote down, the loss of a job, a broken relationship, difficulties at work, the untimely death of a family member, a lingering illness that won't go away, depression that will not go away, a stubborn, wayward, disobedient son or daughter, unfaithful spouse or an abusive parent, and whatever else that make them feel overwhelmed. And that's for 18 years. That's what I heard in Columbus. Then the next decade in two churches in Texas and Atlanta, what did I find I was running into with people? Loss of a job, broken relationships, difficulties at work, 
untimely death of family members, a lingering illness, depression that won't go away, a wayward or stubborn or disobedient child, unfaithful spouse, an abusive parent, and whatever else that made them feel overwhelmed. And then we came to Dayton, Ohio. And what have I faced in the 15 years that we've been in the Dayton area? Loss of a job, a broken relationship, difficulties at work, the untimely death of a family member, a lingering illness, depression that won't go away, a wayward child, unfaithful spouse, or abusive parent, whatever else makes them feel overwhelmed. I think you get my point. The trials are the same everywhere. What people go through in the United States of America. The trials are the same everywhere. What people go through in the United States of America. And James makes the most unbelievable statement when he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Was he seeking problems? No. But he knew that God could do something in his problems that couldn't happen in any other way. Here's what I want you to go home with. Here's the most important lesson. Whatever problems you're going through right now, personally, and it's only you or the one that knows it, perhaps, is it possible the Lord could be working in your life in some way through that? Is it possible he's working through your circumstances to bless you? He's working in your circumstances to get this, to accomplish something that maybe he can't accomplish in any other way. I believe that. And I think you need to believe it too. I really do. Some of you have heard of a man by the name of Lloyd Ogilvie. Lloyd Ogilvie, for the years, was the minister of a church in Hollywood, California, of all places. About every three or four years, years ago, I would go to conferences out there in California, and I would always, always go to church there for one of the services at Lloyd Ogilvie's church. And I remember one Sunday morning for the early service at 8 o'clock, I pulled up into the parking lot, and I got out of the rental car, and there I saw this hot sports car pulling up next to me, and I looked, And I said, I know that guy. He's an actor from such and such TV show, and I don't even remember who it was. And as I got out of the car, I pointed to him, and I shouldn't have done it, but I said, I know you. He said, you're from Ohio, aren't you? No, he didn't. (laughs) I think he thought that. But there were numerous actors and actresses at this church, and I was thinking, I wonder why these people come. Job loss problems in their family, in their marriages. They're the same reasons that anyone else comes, to be blessed and to be lifted up by the power of God and the power of His Word. Daryl Dash is a minister in Toronto, Canada. And he said that in Toronto, they had a minister that was just so crazy in what he preached. They called him Pastor Wacko. What a name, Pastor Wacko. And he said, some people would look at this passage and say, Pastor Wacko, consider it a pure joy. But he brings home the point that God can work in the trials of various kinds. And here's the example that Lloyd Ogilvie gives. He said, 
He went through a particularly difficult time. His wife had undergone five major surgeries, as well as radiation and chemotherapy. In his family, he had uh, was discouraged, and yet he said this, the greatest discovery that I have made in all of the difficulties is that I can have joy even when I can't feel it. That's interesting. I can have the joy of Christ in my life even when I can't feel it. When I had every reason to feel beaten down, I felt joy. In spite of everything, God gave me the conviction of being loved and the certainty that nothing could separate me from Him. It was not happiness, gush, or jolliness, but a constant flow of the Spirit of God through me. At no time did He give me the easy confidence that everything would work out as I wanted it to on my timetable. But He gave me the assurance that God was saying, I'm in charge. I'm in charge, and I'll give you enough courage for each day. I'll give you the grace. Joy was the result of that. What did Lloyd Ogilvie discover? Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy when you go through trials of various kinds because you'll develop perseverance in your faith. I want you to do an experiment with me. I want you to think about maybe the last five or ten years where you've had a rough stretch of road, to use that expression, where something difficult happened in your life. It may have been medical. It may have been financial. It may have been job-related, family-related. It doesn't matter. Think of how the Lord worked in your life in that experience. How did the Lord work in your life, and what do you remember spiritually happening as a result of what you went through? Is it possible the Lord was using that to speak to you and to empower you and bless you in some way? I believe he was, and I believe he can. I rarely quote Charles Stanley, and I don't know why I don't quote him that often. His program is right before our program in the mid-morning on WFCJ. And I've heard him for years. I hear his sermons, part of them, every day. And yet he speaks about the causes of trials in our lives, and he speaks honestly. And here's what he says. The primary cause of a lot of the trials in our life are our own decisions. Are you honest enough to admit that? That sometimes when we say, God, why do you allow this trial in my life? I caused it. I made the choice. I made the decision. I opted to go right when I should have gone left. I went left when I should have gone right. And you know what Charles Stanley is? He's absolutely right. So many of the trials in your life and in my life come from making wrong decisions. And he said some of the trials come because of the decisions of other people. You ever thought about that, how you're impacted by somebody else's decision? But don't forget that other people are impacted by your decisions. It works both ways. You impact people by the decisions you make. And then Charles Stanley says, not surprisingly, many trials come straight from the pit, from Satan. Satan is interested in ways that he can torment us, and in each attempt he makes and has one purpose, to draw us away from the Lord. One purpose that Satan has is to pull us away, and to draw us away from the Lord. I think one of the most touching stories that I've read in a long time comes from a young lady named Crystal. That's all I know. I don't even know her last name. All I know is 
Her city of residence was Hot Springs, Arkansas. I've never been to Hot Springs. I have no idea what it's like. Some of you have. She says this. She's a great writer for her background. She said, some people go through life not knowing what to do as if there's no meaning to life. Is life meaningless? Is there something special we're supposed to do while on earth as the time ticks away? I'm not sure, she said, what my life will bring, but I know I'm not on this earth just so I can live and die. Listen to that again. I'm not on this earth just so I could live a few years and then die. I was taught at a young age and have grown to believe that my life's purpose is to serve Jesus Christ with all my heart. Now listen to how poor and how bankrupt this family was. This is embarrassingly poor. She said they were so poor in Hot Springs, Arkansas, they had no running water. Well, we're out of time, but I want you to hear the rest of Crystal's story tomorrow on Cross Hope, what this girl did to overcome trials and tribulations beyond your imagination and mine. We'll continue this tomorrow on Cross Hope. Our website, of course, is crosshope.org, crosshope.org. Now listen to how poor and how bankrupt this family was. This is embarrassingly poor. She said they were so poor in Hot Springs, Arkansas, they had no running water. And she said we regularly would have to take two-liter bottles, you know, empty Coke bottles, plastic, and go to the local laundromat and use the faucet in the sink of the laundromat to fill up the water bottles just so they would have something to drink water from the laundromat. I mean, that's poor. No running water in her house that she grew up in. My life was difficult, and my life is still difficult. There were times we had no food, and neglect is what I remember the most. Isn't that interesting for a young lady to say, what's the word you remember about your childhood? Neglect. Not provision, not good times, but neglect. That's what I remember. I can remember when we had no electricity, no hot water, no food. I was embarrassed to tell anyone about our situation, and I still am a little. I was separated from my mother at a young age and forced to live with relatives. And then she ends her piece of writing with this sentence. Sometimes the miracle of life is not to fly or to walk on water. The miracle is just to walk on the earth and survive. What a statement. What an insight into life. Sometimes in life, the miracle is not flying in the air. It's not walking on water as Jesus did. The miracle is just to be able to walk on earth and survive. She said, there's a reason everything has happened in my life. And she said, that's why I believe I have a purpose in my life to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. How did she get that? She got it because she knew the one who could give joy and trials and blessing, not gushiness and everything's great and everything's wonderful, but a piece of his presence in your life. What you need more than anything else in your life, and I need, is the peace of God's presence in your life. You really do. You're looking for security in all the wrong places. A lot of people are. 
We're looking for happiness in all the wrong places. We're looking for a good time in all the wrong places. And what we need to be looking for is a relationship with God the Father through God the Son. Yesterday, I shared at the funeral of one of my neighbors. And it's interesting when you're asked to speak at the funeral of one of your neighbors, you have a different relationship with your neighbors, don't you? And I'm thinking, what is it I share at funerals? And here's what it is. I share at funerals that the only hope is in Jesus Christ. When all the dust settles on your life, it's not your money, it's not your investments, it's not your portfolio. Your only hope is knowing the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you realize how crazy that statement is if it's not true? But if it's true, it's the greatest news in the world. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You're going to put your trust in something. You're going to put your faith, your hope in something or someone. I'm asking you today, put your money on the one where it's going to pay off, and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And I don't say that disrespectfully at all to him. But I want to put my money on a sure thing. And it's a relationship with God the Father through God the Son. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.